Hello, and welcome to Freedom Matters Today. This is Michael J. Sutton. Today is October the 16th, 2023. Episode 4 in our series, Freedom from Past and Prejudice. What is freedom from past and prejudice? Freedom from the past is about things that define us and bind us, which prevent us from knowing God and ourselves. For Jesus, the past both defined and bound him in life and in death. Freedom from prejudice is the way we see ourselves and others based on the things which divide us. For Jesus, prejudice was a stumbling block for those close to him, and it was all nonsense to those who did not. It is Jesus, the Son of God, the message of God, who enables us to see clearly our past and confront our prejudice so we might live in complete freedom. This series is about Jesus and asks the question, Who is Jesus? I'd like to spend a few moments reviewing what we have done so far. In our first week, we looked at the way freedom shapes the life of a person who follows Jesus in many ways. Freedom shapes our lives because freedom shaped the life of Jesus. He lived in perfect freedom. If freedom comes from Jesus, it follows that the life of Jesus, the way he interacted with others, the boldness of his message, and his resolute determination to love others, even his adversaries, is a model for us. We learned that God doesn't promise what he doesn't promise. Outside of the promises of God, we are free. All the answers we need in life are found in the Bible. If the answer is unclear, or not there, we can live in perfect freedom. And this is a liberating thing. In episode 2, we discovered that words matter. What we say matters. Without words, we cannot be understood. And without words, God is still a mystery. A wordless God is an impersonal and distant deity. And how can we know God if he refuses to make himself known? And how can we know what he's like if he does not tell us? We also learned that a God who speaks today is the most dangerous, subversive and radical thing in the world. And it's one of the reasons why we are encouraged by the world not to talk about God. In our third episode, we looked at the fact that God had spoken in his Son. God speaks about his Son. There is no greater love for a child than that which comes from a parent, and there is no greater love from God that is expressed in the Son. And it is in this divine relationship that we discover the heart of God. God speaks to us in his Son. This is the Christian message. We can know God because God speaks, and he spoke about his Son, and his Son is the message from God. Today's question is, 
What are two things you probably don't know about Jesus? What are two things you probably don't know about Jesus? When I was in Russia a few months ago, it never occurred to me that I was in a multi-ethnic and multi-religious society, a society with many people of different backgrounds who claim Russian heritage. Russia is a huge nation, and there is remarkable colour, vibrancy and cultural diversity. I didn't know about this at all. In Australia, our image of Russia comes through America. And for us, America, uh, Russia is a drab grey colour. Red Square, of course, and the military, which we are told are everywhere, and shape society. When I was in Russia, I saw a few soldiers. And when I did meet veterans from war, they were there with their families and friends. I was amazed at the rich traditions and cultures of many of Russia's ethnic minorities. It is the same with Jesus. There are a lot of things we don't know about him. Christians will tell us that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Saviour, that he died on the cross, that he rose again and spoke about love and so on. These are some of the common character traits or life events of Jesus. If Jesus was on LinkedIn or Facebook, these events would be prominent. But it is a good thing to be challenged in our faith. It is a good thing to look again at what we believe. It is a good thing to consider different perspectives about Jesus, the Son of God. Those of you who have listened to Freedom from Past and Prejudice know that we are looking at the letter to the Hebrews, which is an ancient letter written probably before the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70, when the Romans destroyed the city. The letter to the Hebrews, well, who are they? They are the Jews. This is the letter to the Jews in Israel, from an author writing either in Jerusalem or in Italy. Most scholars suspect it could well be Jerusalem, to a Christian community or network of communities in Italy. Or it could be the other way around. Scholarship is divided. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 24 says, Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. It could be that the letter was sent from Italy to Israel or from Israel to Italy. It could well have been another place where there were some Italians living. We really don't know. But the intended recipients of the letter were Jews. Not only was Jesus a Jew, but until the fall of Jerusalem, many followers of Jesus were also Jews. This is a letter to them, to those for whom the ancestors were their ancestors, to those for whom the law of Moses was their law, and for whom God speaking to them was not a novelty or something new, but something that defined their identity. They were the people to whom God spoke. They were the people to whom the promises were given. And they were the people for whom 
the Son would come, the Messiah. The Jews were the chosen of God. They were the ones we read about often in our Christmas story, the stories of the Advent, the shepherds, the sheep and the cattle, and so on, the angels and the hills proclaiming glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to all. And we like to keep the Jewishness in those stories, though most of our accounts of Christmas have become so anglicised that we have lost much of the original context. And we like to think that, yes, Jesus was a Jew, and yes, the disciples were Jewish, and yes, it was like that in the beginning, but it's not important now. What's important is that we are those from the nations, the so-called Gentiles, and the Christian faith is about us. Well, this is not the case, of course. Throughout the New Testament, the letters are addressed to both Jews and those who are not Jews. But it's fairly obvious in the first verse of the first chapter of Hebrews, in the past God spoke to our ancestors. Well, he didn't speak to my ancestors who were running around England, ancient England and Wales with their bodies painted blue, running around half naked at war with each other. But he did write to the ancestors of God, did speak to the ancestors of the Jewish people who lived in Palestine in the first century. And the one who wrote Hebrews was writing to his friends and colleagues and fellow countrymen in Israel or in the Diaspora. That God spoke to us, to our people, our ancestors, in the past and in many ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son. The author wants to tell them that the law of Moses is not enough. This itself is a radical statement. This goes not only to the heart of what it means to be Jewish, but it also goes to the heart of what many followers of Jesus don't understand. The author wants to tell them that the law is not enough. Jesus did not come to amend the law, or to encourage the law, or affirm the sacrificial system, or to offer a new way of thinking about the law, or to be a new way of interpretation about the law or the prophets. But the Son is the message of God. The Son is the voice of God. And that the author wants to convince and persuade the readers that Jesus, the Son, is the message of God. To do this, they immediately talk about the identity of Jesus, not his actions. That is why, in Hebrews, the focus is on the identity of Jesus and his relationship with God. The focus is not on the actions of Jesus, the words of Jesus, because those actions and words are recorded in other letters and other Gospels that were no doubt in circulation at the time. The author immediately talks about the identity of Jesus. 
and links his identity in terms of where he came from and where he's going. These are two things we really need to know about ourselves too. Where do we come from and where are we going? The readers, those who read the letter to the Hebrews, letter to the Jews, they knew about the claims of the apostles concerning the life and ministry of Jesus, his death and resurrection and so on. And he is he or she is unambiguous, placing attention in the text with bold claims and assertions. But is this where you would start? Is this your understanding of Jesus? I want you to try and compare the following text with what you understand about the Christian message, the Christian good news, and certainly the way that maybe your Christian friends might have told you, or your church pastor might have told you, or your minister or priest. Is this your understanding of Jesus? Because the way the letter to the Hebrew writes, this is not the way we think about God. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. I bet that you were probably not thinking that at all. Heir of all things, and the one through whom God made the universe. The heir means the one who will inherit, which means that the son will inherit everything, including me, you, everyone. He is the one in whom God has given the future. Jesus is given the future as his right. We get nothing. What a remarkable assertion. What an unambiguous statement. The Son is the heir, the one God appoints, the one God decides, receives the future. The future is not a place or a time, but a person. The world is a painting that God painted through the Son, and it was given away for a time And one day this painting will be given back to the one who painted it, and it is his. The Son also created all things. This echoes the Gospel of John, suggesting that this tradition, this belief was around before the fall of Jerusalem, the belief in Jesus as God, the belief in Jesus as creator, was not some fiction invented centuries later but something the early communities of Christians affirmed as true. This obviously is the case, since the letter to the Hebrews was obviously written before AD 70. And within this remarkable letter, the deity of Christ is affirmed. So when you hear people say, oh, the church invented the stories about Jesus being God centuries later to justify constant time, blah, blah, blah. They don't know what they're talking about. They're ignorant, uneducated. The Bible clearly states and clearly affirms the deity of Christ, The Christ is the Son of God. Christ is God. 
in the letters of the Hebrews and throughout the Gospels. So the sun is the air, and the sun created all things. All things were created through the sun. The sun is infused with creative power, and everything we see bears his trademark. This is seen also in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses, verses 1 to 10, we have an affirmation that God made the world through the Son, through the Word of God. And this is what is said in Hebrews. There is much more to Jesus than the cross. There is much more to Jesus than what we know. I can say with absolute certainty that most people would not go to the creative power of the Son, nor would they go to his inheritance. The author is making a point and laying down a challenge. Immediately from the very beginning of this letter, he will not be talking about the typical way of understanding Jesus Christ. He will not be playing by the rules of the then Christian culture emerging across the region. And he will be toying, he will not be toying with the ideas of Jesus other than his character, his identity, and his relationship to God. He will be uncompromising in this. This is not some dalliance. This is not some distraction. This is not some new thing. The author of the Hebrews goes right to the heart of the identity of Jesus. As I said in the last series, series two, and also I said in my book, in my books, the most important thing about Jesus Christ is not the resurrection. The most important thing about Jesus Christ is his identity, who he is. And that's why it's interesting that in our debates today about identity, Christians should be talking about the identity of Jesus. What a bridge to talk about. Instead, they condemn, condemn, condemn. The most important thing that God is saying to us is that the Son of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, his actions, his words, his life, all testify to his identity as God's Son. And so the author to the Hebrews is not afraid to talk about Jesus. He's bold in his assertions about Jesus, and he doesn't care what people will say about him. From the very beginning of his letter, he is convinced that it is time to talk clearly about who Jesus is. We also should not be afraid 
to talk about Jesus. The whole world was created through him. He is the heir of all things. He is the Son of God. Instead, we retreat, we downplay, we excuse, we apologize. These days, it's all about your opinion on some issue, where you stand. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? What are we going to argue about today? But the writer to the Hebrews allows us no such maneuvering. It'd be interesting to know who wrote it, the kind of person he was. Maybe it was a woman, who knows? For the person who wrote the letter to the Hebrews was a formidable person. But he wasn't formidable because of his or her um, personality. They were formidable because they knew who Jesus was. They knew the identity of Jesus, and this comes through in what they're writing about. The writer to the Hebrews is not messing about. This is why God speaks. He speaks through the Son, and the Son cannot be ignored. God speaks. God has spoken in his Son. The Son is the message of God. The Son is the heir of all things and is the one through whom God made the universe. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God.